I'm Tom Narayan, RBC's European Autos Analyst. And today we have uh, an exciting panel of executives to talk uh, one of my favorite topics, self-driving vehicles. Uh, so thank you, first of all, all of you three for, for being a part of this. Uh, it, it is uh, the 12th in our Navigating the Energy Transition series. Just a couple of numbers here just to throw out to to give folks a sense of, of why this is so important. I'm sure our panelists know these numbers by heart, but over a million deaths every year globally, uh, over a hundred million uh, serious traffic accidents, over 90% of which caused by human error. The average speed of a commuter in Europe, um, including traffic and idling, six miles an hour. So it's not those long windy roads in the Alps you see in the commercials. A third of city drive, driving is looking for parking. 50 to 60% of some downtown city centers is just space for cars and parking. Uh, some may say that uh, robo-taxis could reduce the number of cars on the road by a factor of, of 20. Of course, a lot of that is theoretical, but Self-driving could save lives, prevent accidents, smooth traffic flow, free up space in, in cities. We are thinking about, uh, you know, uh, these newer architectures launching in as early as the 2024, 2025 uh, timeframe. And certainly as the next wave of our roadmap uh, starts to come out in the 25, 26 timeframe, you will see automakers having moved to this architecture. So uh, it really is, uh, the acceleration of the thought process where the platform that is being built has to be built with the idea of being monetized over its life, which is something that is very new, but also very refreshing in terms of how the automotive industry is embracing the concept. Today, we consume so much of content. We, we, are, we have so many subscriptions that we pay for in our home that we were not paying for five or 10 years ago. It's because the way that technology has entered the home uh, has been seamless, has been faster, has been offered by the same types of ecosystems that we are used to working with on our mobile phones or in our offices. Uh, I think the car is going in the same direction. It is a more complex platform because it requires many different uh, ecosystems to come together to actually make that happen. Our plan is to commercialize the Aurora driver in what we're gonna call a driver as a service model. So we're going to expect our customers will subscribe to the Aurora driver and they'll pay us a per mile fee. Uh, Aurora doesn't expect to own the vehicles. We want to be an asset light company and the vehicles will be owned by people with their lower cost of capital, people who are very used to and have experience managing fleets we expect. Um, at scale, we expect this to be a super attractive business with very high SaaS-like margins. Um, and you know, the, the Aurora Drive were certainly built from the ground up to work across all vehicle types. Thanks for uh, for having me on here and being able to share more about Luminar. One of the um, one of the things that Austin, um, our CEO, did share at CS in addition to the proactive safety demo, which I'll talk about here in a second, is his longer term hundred year vision for the company. And the two main goals that he has is to help save over the next hundred year, a hundred million lives. In order to deploy that highway autonomy, you need a long-range LiDAR that works. You need to be able to see out 250 meters 
because what that allows you to do is bring a passenger vehicle um, to a safe stop uh, if it detects an object in the way. So if you have the right long range sensor, you can enable highway autonomy with hands off, eyes off the road. Um, and as I said, it's, it's an easier operational domain to solve for than some of the level five taxis. The rear-wheel drive of hardware, you know, there's a computer, there's sensors, there's a LiDAR. This is still early in its life. It's not being produced on a large scale. So on a unit cost basis, it's expensive today.